0: But still, it's the right thing to do. So get options based on your needs with Progressive's Name Your Price Tool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.
2: All right, here we are. We're back bringing you the latest and greatest happenings in the world of rock and roll right here as Decibel Geek presents Geekwire. Got to stay in the know. We're your guys to keep you there. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my awesome friend, who's always in the know, Mr. Chris Sinzak. Last time I saw you, we were having a pretty good time.
1: (laughs) What I remember was awesome.
2: (laughs) I'm afraid to watch it back.
1: (laughs) I won't be watching it back.
2: (laughs) Yeah, me neither. (laughs) What we're talking about is just a few days ago, on Friday night, we did a Friday night live stream. That's right, where we get on and just interact with everybody. We had our friend Kevin Williams from the In Obscure Podcast on with us, and we talked about all kinds of stuff. We did a big old bracket brawl on there, and everybody got to participate, and it's a fun way for us to be able to get together with the people that are fans of this show and friends of ours, and you know, it's awesome. I love it. it that was my, my New Year's Eve party, I think because i didn't really do anything mm-hmm. on new year's eve but uh, now i
1: went to bed at like nine o'clock yeah because <laughs> yeah, i was hung over from the night before
2: rock and roll
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: but yeah it was a good time you know and thanks to everybody that joins us for those i know we don't do them all the time but whenever we do it's always a blast so follow us on the facebook and make sure you're staying up to date on that so that you know when the next Friday night live stream will be.
1: Yeah, it was fun. We, we did a two-part uh, battle of 1992. That was that was quite a bracket.
2: Yeah, and who won it at the end? Do you remember?
1: Hmm. No, <laughs> I don't remember.
2: <laughs> it was Faster Pussycat Whipped.
1: No, I know you're lying about no, that. No, because
2: you left it off the list. I couldn't believe it. The next day I was like, something's not right. Something was missing from 92, and I was like... Faster Pussycat whipped. It could have took it all the way. But no, it ended up being Warrant, Dog Eat Dog, be- oh. beating Pantera in the finals.
1: That's funny. It was- it's the only place Warrant's going to beat Pantera. Anything. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, you're listening to Decibel Geek when Warrant beats Pantera. <laughs> yeah. But we weren't the only ones. You know, the people were influencing our votes, and, you know, everybody gets a say. And that's how it ended up. But that was a good time, man. I'm glad we did
1: that. Yeah, I had a good time. All right. So we got some rock news to get to. And, um, you know, well, happy new year, everybody, to start things off. You know, we're now in 2023 and uh, excited for the for the new year. And no no better way to start things off than a Rolling Stone list that's guaranteed to piss (laughs) people off.
2: As they always do.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's why they do these lists, because they know it's going to it's going to cause conversations, going to cause podcasters to lose their minds. And they released a 200 greatest singers list.
2: All right. Where did Donnie V place on that?
1: Uh, he did not.
2: Oh, what? Oh, OK. I haven't
1: even looked fully at the list, but I know that he did not place. Yeah,
2: that's bullshit. Then I already call this list into question. <laughs>
1: Well, thanks to the good people at Blabbermouth, they did do an article about this, and they cut it down for us where they included where the rock singers, quote-unquote, placed on this list. So okay. we'll just go over this part. All right. Um, the highest placing rock singer, number 12, and it's John Lennon.
2: John Lennon is the greatest singer in rock? Well, according, according to, to Rolling this list. Stone. Yeah, of course. That, that sounds about right. The only thing that doesn't surprise me is that Like, Bob Dylan was number one, wasn't he? That son of a gun,
1: Rolling Stone. I do have the Rolling Stone list pulled up. You know, this might be more fun to go through the Rolling Stone list a little bit. Let's look here. Okay. So, 199, Glenn Danzig.
2: That's cool. I think it's cool that Glenn Danzig makes the list. He's been doing it for a long time between the Misfits and his own stuff, and he's a unique singer. I'd put him on there for sure. Top 200, definitely.
1: I'm having to go through a lot of non-rock people yeah. <laughs> to get to the next one. Bob Seger, 181.
2: Okay, yeah, uh, I can um, see that.
1: Iggy Pop, 176.
2: I mean, I don't know if I'd consider Iggy Pop to be like a great singer, but I consider him to be a great singer in like the same way I do like Ace Braley. where he's not really a great singer, but I love his voice.
1: Oh, All right, now you're ready to get really pissed off? Yeah. Mm. 165 who who do you think is 165th best singer on this list
2: oh man i have no idea there's so many great singers out there in the world 165 that's you know getting three quarters to the top of the list area i don't know there's just too many to really lay out like that
1: ronnie james dio at
2: 165
1: 165
2: ridiculous I would call Ronnie James Dio top five for sure, only because I don't know what other... I'd have to think about it, but I already know without even thinking about it that Ronnie James Dio has at least in the top five.
1: All According time. to this list, Robert Smith of The Cure is a better singer than Ronnie James Dio.
2: Oh, that mumble fuck. He couldn't sing his way out of a paper bag in a contest with Ronnie James Dio.
1: And Michael Stipe oh Um,
2: god my stomach just turned a little bit but of course so you know this is rolling stone magazine they're gonna pick all the hipsterish guys is bob dylan number one i gotta know
1: i haven't gotten there yet we're gonna go through this i'm I'm scrolling through as fast as i can
2: if i was Um, and i was betting on rolling stone i'm sure it's either it's either gonna be david bowie or bob dylan
1: Bono is 140, which I'm surprised he didn't rank higher on their list. They seem to suck his dick all the time. So. Yeah. Axel Rose is 134.
2: See, and I wouldn't put Axel over Ronnie James Dio.
1: I wouldn't either. <clears throat>
2: as great as Axel is or was. If
1: you're <laughs> Courtney about- Love is 130. Oh, come on. <laughs> Rob Halford is 129.
2: Bogus. Way to go, Rolling Stone!
1: <laughs> oh my God, you did it again! I'm getting, yeah, um, we're learning this as you guys are. So let's see who else is on here that's rock related. A lot of people, I Ozzy is 112.
2: You can't put if you're talking about. Sing, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's some criteria to this that I don't understand. But when you're talking about like great singers. I'm thinking about these people's voices. Ozzy don't go over the top of Ronnie James Dio or Rob Helford. Ozzy is awesome in the way that he's unique. Would I call mm. him a great singer? Eh, you know, he's Ozzy. I love his voice, yeah. but I wouldn't call him a great singer. Ronnie James Dio, he was a great singer. Rob Helford, he's a great singer.
1: Yeah. Here's another one that pisses me off, because this is a really legitimate great singer. Roger Daltrey is 109.
2: I mean yeah you can't argue with that i mean he should be yeah he should be right up there too
1: i don't else. even care anymore
2: <laughs>
1: taylor swift ranked higher than all those people oh yeah of um course. of course she did elton jo- elton john's 100 I mean, so now yeah. we're in the top 100 Stevie Nicks 93 and a lot of non-rock people steve perry is 82 I mean, if you want to go on vocal ability, you'd have to put Steve Perry like in the top 10 at least, wouldn't you?
2: I mean, I'm not even the hugest Journey fan around, but I would put Steve Perry right up there.
1: I mean, that's some amazing stuff that he did.
2: But then again, I mean, like I said, I would put in guys like Donnie V. I would put in guys like Jeff Scott Soto, you know, guys that are powerful vocalists. Even Bon Scott deserves a spot on the list because he was a good, powerful singer with a lot of good inflection in the way that he sang and delivered the goods. I'd put him... Oh, wow.
1: Number 66, Donnie V. (laughs)
0: I'm just
1: kidding. It would have been funny if you fell for it. You
2: got me there for a second. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: 63 is Robert Plant from Zeppelin.
2: I mean, 63 seems a little low for Robert Plant of Zeppelin when you're talking about great singers.
1: He wasn't better than Lady Gaga, according to this list.
2: Good Lord.
1: Although Lady Gaga is a damn good singer. I'll give her credit for that. Yeah, it's true. But All right, now this irritates me. Mick Jagger is 52. Mick Jagger is an amazing front man, but he's not the greatest singer.
2: No. No, he's kind of the same way with Iggy Pop and Ace Fraley and the rest of them. Not a great singer.
1: But cool to listen, sing, you know. Rod Stewart's 49.
2: Rod Stewart. I would put Peter Chris higher than him. On the greatest singers list.
1: Kurt Cobain is 36.
2: Uh, I guess maybe I don't understand the criteria here. Maybe there's something more to this than, I mean, it's great singer. Is there anything in subtext under that?
1: I'm not reading through all these. I'm just going through the list. <laughs> what's the, uh, what's the Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye is 20. Marvin Gaye was an amazing singer. Um, yeah,
2: can't really argue that one, I guess. I mean, he's not. Elvis
1: was 17.
2: Yeah, yeah. Elvis was a good singer.
1: Freddie Mercury made it to 14.
2: Again, a hell of a singer. That seems that seems pretty good to me. 14.
1: So now we're getting into the nitty gritty. So I mentioned earlier, John Lennon was 12. Little Richard is 11.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Al Green is 10. Okay. Otis Redding is nine. All right. This is for Baco. Beyonce is eight.
2: Come on. I put Tina Turner over
1: Beyonce. Well, I haven't seen Tina Turner yet. So maybe she's coming up. Stevie Wonder is seven. Yeah, I can dig that. Uh, Ray Charles is 6, that's well deserved, an amazing voice. <laughs> Mariah Carey is 5. Okay. Wow. Billy Holiday is 4.
2: Okay.
1: Sam Cooke is 3, that's well deserved, he had a great voice. Number 2 is Whitney Houston.
2: Number
1: 1 and is number Bob 1 Dillon. is Aretha Franklin. Oh. No Bob Dylan on the list at all. I
2: can't believe it. Rolling so they were like, they had him at number one. And somebody said, listen, you can't put Bob Dylan at number one for everything. That's what people expect out of Rolling Stone. Do you want, do you want people to take this seriously? Leave Bob Dylan off the list, and then they'll know that you guys took this seriously.
1: Yeah. It's bullshit. <laughs> no Donnie V, no Tammy Down. What the fuck?
0: What the fuck?
1: Tamey
2: down at least in the top 50, I'd say.
1: What? Top 50 of what, though, is the question. <laughs> all right. Um, I like Faster Pussycat as much as the next guy, but come on. Oh, so, All right. Enough time spent on Rolling Stone magazine. All right. So the next thing. Um, did you see this little uh, kind of home video that uh, was released with Peter Chris singing Dirty Living at his house?
2: I did see that. Kind of weird. Kind of cool. <laughs> kind of cool. Kind of weird.
1: Yeah. I guess hey, he, um... he
2: doesn't have to do stuff like that. I wish that he would have, like, a better setup, though. Instead of, like, he looks like he's, like, standing in the corner looking away from the camera. Somebody say, you know what, Peter? What you're doing is cool. Let's get some lights in here. Let's get, like, a green screen in the background. We can have cats playing in the background while you're singing. You face the camera. That's right. Face the hard camera. Cats blank. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get some good videos, which is it's cool that he's doing it, and it's just for fun, so you can't really knock it, but if you're gonna do it, catman, do it right,
1: yeah, and I mean, a lot of people are you know making a big deal about you know how his voice sounds, and you know he doesn't have the aggression he had in nineteen seventy I'm like, yeah, but he's not hopped up on cocaine like he was in nineteen seventy nine <laughs> either.
2: <laughs> you don't want a video of seventy eight year old Peter Chris laying on the ground convulsing.
1: No, I I, I just I'll just take it for the sentiment that it is. And I love the fact that he picked Dirty Living, which is more of a a deep cut than, you know, at least he didn't do Beth again for the millionth time or something. Yes, for sure. Yeah.
2: Maybe he's gearing up for that Peter Chris hard rock album. I hear 2023 might be the year.
1: (laughs) Where'd you hear that?
2: I don't
1: know. You didn't hear that. You (laughs) just made that up. They've
2: been saying that every year, haven't they?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like. Ace Fraley saying, "My solo record will be out in the spring." Uh,
2: uh-huh. spring of what? But um,
1: uh, next story. We we alluded to this at the beginning of our live stream. Um, our good friend and fellow podcaster Bob Nelbandian passed away a couple of days ago, and um, very sad loss. And um, Bob was a major part of the early LA scene with the Thrash bands and Armored Saint, Metallica, and a lot of people. And um, the tributes have really been coming hard and heavy for uh, for Bob on the, the metal sites. And I wanted to highlight one from Metallica's Lars Ulrich, who uh, posted a, a thing on his Instagram saying, Bob, thank you for your contributions to the hard rock and metal community for over 40 years. Your spirit, passion, and dedication to this music and everything it represents has been unparalleled and inspiring. Rest in peace, brother. And there was also tributes from uh, Dave Mustaine, Marty Friedman, Stevie Rochelle made a post today about him. Um, Bob knew everybody. I mean, it was it, it was pretty incredible, you know, the Rolodex that guy had, but I mean, but if you got to talk to Bob and I did on a few occasions, not as much as like Chris Aiken or other podcasters, but the times I did talk to him, he was always just a super positive guy. He loved this music. He loved being a champion for this music. And I uh, loved all the pod, the music podcast and was very much in my corner with rock and pod from day one. Um, even when, even when Neely from classic metal show was giving me shit for it, Bob actually called in and was like, Hey, Chris is doing a cool thing here. This is a good thing for us. You know, you need to stop being an asshole. I'll never forget that. <laughs> I, I laughed so hard at Bob calling in to, to defend my honor. Cause That's he was awesome. friends with Neely and Chris. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. he's, I guess he he was fighting lymphoma is what I read today and um, but didn't want people to know, just, you know, would tell close people. He told me a couple of months ago that he was dealing with health problems and he left it at that. And I didn't want to pry, um, but I didn't know it was that serious. But yeah, um, a major, major player uh, in the early thrash world and also in the rock podcasting world. So uh, Bob now, Bannion, you're definitely going to be missed.
2: Yeah. I saw a really great tribute to him. From our great friend Ralph Vieira on his almost human channel on YouTube, you guys, check that out. I had no idea those guys were so close and the cool relationship they had. And you know, I definitely know a Godfather of Rock podcasting for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like doing it, yeah. Before and he there would, really was such a thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. and he would uh, send me. You know, he talked to me about Rock and Pod, but he also mentioned Decibel Geek, and, and he loved your voice, Aaron. I remember nice. him complimenting me on, it. he would, he would say, I love Decibel Geek, especially Aaron's voice. And I would always be like, well, does that mean my voice sucks? But okay, Bob, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Man, what a loss.
1: Yeah. I hate it Just a, a, a great guy. And, you know, to, you know, value the people in your life while you have them guys, cause you don't know how long they're going to be around. So, you know, just, uh, just remember who, you know, who you got in your life right now it's better to tell someone you love them now than to uh, have to pay tribute later, you know?
2: Right. And you know what? We've been through it so many times over the years through this show, you know, Dick Wagner and Gary Corbett come to mind, you know, and it was kind of the same thing with Gary where, you know, he was sick, but he was prideful and didn't want nobody to know, you know, and then all of a sudden he was gone, you know, and we love that guy up to the end and wish we had more time with him and it happens all the time, I'm afraid, as we get older. So, yeah, you're right, 100%. 100%. Love the people in your life while you can because you never know. You just never know.
1: And of course, it, a lot of this gives me flashbacks to Rock and Run from last year. You know, it's um, 100%. Yeah. Hard, to be, hard to believe. Yeah. Man. Um, speaking of people that are kind of picking up from uh, tragedy, uh, the Foo Fighters released an official statement. Um, not that we really cover Foo Fighters much on this show, but I thought this was noteworthy. Because uh, a lot of people were wondering with Taylor Hawkins dying that, you know, would they go forward? And, you know, they posted kind of a long thing about it, you know, as they say goodbye to the most difficult, tragic year that they've ever known and, and everything. And they basically, to sum it up, though, they say, you know, the band will never be the same without Taylor, but he also would want us to go on. So they, they will be going forward in 2023. They haven't announced a replacement or anything, but... Um, but yeah, Foo Fighters will be doing shows again and, uh, probably there's, I'm sure there's going to be a tribute to Taylor at every show going forward. Oh, yeah, I'm sure of it.
2: Should be mm-hmm. interesting to see. Maybe they go the direction of their last album, the, the heavy, heavy album that came out this last year. What was the name of that band? What'd they call it?
1: Is it? Oh, the, uh, was it uh, dream widow? I think
2: dream widow. Is mm-hmm. that what it's called? I I know that's what it was called. They were just talking about it on. I've I've heard a couple, seen a couple of lists of the best albums of 2022, and that one has been getting a lot of love. I heard Baco talking about it on a recent Cobras and Fire, and it was one that you know we're putting our list together. We always do kick off the year with one last look back, and that'll be our next episode, the best of 2022. And I'd totally forgotten about that coming out and listened to a little bit of it. A little bit of it. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. No, I, I love a lot of the music on that. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's going to make my list or not, though. But I I did like it a lot. I, just, I like it better than a lot of Foo Fighters, though.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's true. Yeah, um, Foo Fighters. I like it when you're a fictional band.
2: Foo Fighters, for me, are always kind of like, I don't know, 40, 60, 40% of the songs I dig. And the rest of it's like, eh, I don't know but the yeah. songs, you know, the ones that are good are really good.
1: Right. A uh, new story involving, um, Skid Row singer, Eric Gronwall says he was scared before performing with Skid Row for the first time. Said, uh, you know, he was diagnosed with, uh, leukemia in March of 2021. And, uh, he was asked to by Australia's metal ruse about how his cancer battle affected his outlook on his music career and he says, I think Skid Row was a may- way for me to get really get back. I was telling myself when I was at the hospital, because I was kind of heading towards another lifestyle in many ways, I left my former band Heat and wanted to do other things in life. But I realized when I was at the hospital that the moments I valued the most were being on stage, being on tour, being in the studio, being creative. So I told myself that if I can make it out of here alive, I'll sing for the rest of my life. So Skid Row was a way for me to get back on stage, definitely, but also mentally and physically. Because my goal was to be back in June this year when this year started. So I had four months to recover because I had another show book, but Skid Row gave me one month. So I just started rehearsing. The goal was to be able to perform in Vegas mm-hmm. at the end of March. That was the end of February, and I went to my vocal coach. I did all these things I had to do in order to get back in shape. I feel great now, but I was definitely, I think, scared is the right word in the beginning being on stage for the first time in two years, including having gone through the treatments. And I was just trying to figure out how my body would react and the mental aspect of everything, just processing this whole story, coming from leukemia to skid row. It's so much to take in and to process. I'm still doing it to be honest, but I mean, I don't think a lot of people can appreciate what, you know, he kind of had to go through. I mean, imagine all these life changes, you know, you leave your band that was kind of your home, you get leukemia, you fight off leukemia, you go through fucking cancer treatments. And then you join Skid Row like all in the span of a few months. I mean, right. that's, that's a mind fuck for anybody.
2: Yeah. That's interesting to know. I always assumed that he left heat to join Skid Row, but I guess that wasn't the case.
1: Yeah. I remember when he left heat because um, a lot of people thought he was just going to do a solo thing. Cause yeah. I do remember he was doing a lot of these YouTube videos of him covering songs. And one of the songs was 18 in life. And that was the, video that got him the job because somebody sent it to Rachel and said, Hey, you're having trouble with ZP. Check this guy out. But uh, I think he was going to just do his own thing. And then Rachel got in touch with him. It's quite a story. I mean, it's and then the thing I noticed is they did announce a tour with them and Buck Cherry that's happening this year. But I got to admit, man, the the press for Skid Row has just gone silent. I mean, outside of little interview clips like this, it seemed like the buzz has already worn off on Eric being their singer, but maybe that'll, that'll hit back up when they, when they go on tour here.
2: Yeah. I hope that comes around here. I definitely like to go see it. And I got another dude. Think about it as like a a football player or somebody that goes through like a serious injury and then works their way back to get back onto the field. And then finally the day comes when it's time to get into the game. Got to have some pretty serious trepidations. And I got to imagine that's had to have been how it was for Eric Gromwell too. I mean, talk about, you know, you got a month to get ready and it's not just learn the songs. Cause we're going on tour. It's, these are the songs, you know, that are going to go on the new album. So he's right. got to come in and knock that stuff out too. Plus learn all the old stuff.
1: That's yeah, a hell of a job. And, um, you know, and I don't know. I mean, Rachel was great to interview, and he was very kind to us. But uh, I also got the vibe of, man, he'd, he'd be a little intimidating to work for. He seems like somebody that you you wouldn't want to piss off.
2: Yeah, yeah. Somebody that you'd want to do a really good job for, you know. Yeah. Pretty yeah. cool. You know what? I like that new Skid Row album. I think it's pretty great. And, you know, it's cool. I'm glad they're back, and I'm glad they found somebody that fits and gives them more of the sound I mean, the guy sounds a lot like Sebastian Bach in Bach's heyday, you know, and that's all anybody ever wanted from the band. And this is, a close you're going to get, this is as close as you're going to get to having Sebastian Bach in the band, so better love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. There will not be a reunion. I no, can guarantee that. Never. What would have happened 10 years ago if it was going to happen? Yeah. Um, I think it's funny that there's now, um, smack talk between the, uh, people in the Accept camp, did you see this?
2: Well, here's another one where everybody, you know, some people think they should get back together with the original singer, and there's Mm -hmm. conflict there, and I don't think that'll ever happen again either.
1: So, uh, Accept guitarist Wolf Hoffman, who usually doesn't really talk any smack in interviews, um, spoke to Spain's Metal Journal about the 2018 departure of Peter Baltus, the bass player, asked if he had a chance to talk to Peter since his his, uh, exit from Accept. He said, sadly, there's hardly any contact, which I regret very much, but it seems to be the case. Every time anybody leaves the band, it's usually as much as I regret it, that there's hardly any ever contact anymore, which I think is pretty sad. I wish we could just stay in touch and stay friends, but I don't know. He's been very reclusive lately, so I, I think he just needs the time to get away from it all. I think that I think that was his idea maybe, but I don't know. I can't speak for Peter what his motivations are. I can't assume things. I mean, why can't people just stay in touch even if they're not playing the same band anymore? It's sad in a way, but it's reality a lot of the times. Um, When the interviewer pointed out that Peter Baltus never gave a reason for his decision to leave, except he said, no, he didn't. I wish he had. I don't know. You have to ask him. When, uh, When he was asked about Peter Stint, As the touring bass player for UDO, the long-running band fronted by Udo, he said, I'd rather not comment on that. I don't want to get into it. He's been my brother, Eleven to Death, and I'm sure he has his reasons for what he does. He also pressed about Udo's insistence on still playing Accept material, even though he announced seven years ago that he would embark on a special tour in which he would perform Accept songs one last time under the Dirk Schneider banner before closing that chapter for good. Wolf laughed and said, "I just think it's funny." But as a general rule, I don't comment on anything he does, and I ask for understanding. I don't want to get into it. So that was the quote. And then the the title is: Wolf Hoffman finds it quote funny that Erdo, Erdo, Udo Udo Dirk Schneider is still performing except songs after previously saying he wouldn't. So that's really twisting yeah, a quote yeah. to make it sound like he's talking smack.
2: That is the way. Yeah, because the only thing in the title that's in the quote is the word funny.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Ain't that the way it goes? I mean, but it is, it is kind of funny. But you can say that about so many different bands that have said, you know, hey, this is our final tour, and then hey, that's it. you know, Or, oh, we're not going to play these songs ever again. Well, that was seven years ago. And you know what? As much as I like Udo, and as much as I even like the music of UDO, mm. I'd be a little bummed if he didn't do any except songs, if I seen him live.
1: <laughs> that's his legacy. He should do uh, them. I
2: think so, too. It's one of those things where you think at the time, you know, yep, I'm going to do it. But then after a couple of years you go, yeah, people are real bummed out that I'm not doing it. I'm
1: doing it again. You know, it it's uh, I'll never forget the beginning of the pandemic because the last thing I did in public before everything locked down was judge an air guitar competition and Peter Baltus was the my co-judge. Uh so we like hung out together all night judging air guitar competition. That's awesome. So maybe I was one of the last people to him in public before he went uh, reclusive
2: you sent him into reclusion
1: I know he's like fuck after hanging out with Chris I don't want to see people anymore
2: <laughs> I used to tour the world with Accept now I'm here with this guy judging an yeah, air guitar contest that's it I'm yeah. going into the woods
1: Yep. Yeah. opening opening for Kiss playing arenas yeah. releasing amazing platinum metal albums and yeah. now you're judging an air guitar competition with this clown oh, too bad <laughs>
2: Well, there you go, Wolf Hoffman. There's your answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's all my fault, Wolf. I'm sorry. Uh, all right. Oh, man. Um, interesting news from, well, I mean, the, 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 we all kind of knew this was coming. I, I shared the link not long ago. I think we may have even talked about it. Tony Iommi has confirmed that there's going to be a Tony Martin era Black Sabbath, uh, like the albums are going to be reissued in 2023. And I think they're also there's going to be a box set of that era uh, of sabbath coming out soon
2: nice the other side of sabbath i got that new tony he martin said, cd it was pretty cool
1: thorns yeah it's in contention for my list
2: yeah yeah i could see that it's a pretty good album um yeah. i also heard that tony Gu- tony iomi is getting it together to work on some new project he's got going on maybe another iomi album
1: I saw that, and I hope so because I I really loved the last one, and um, yeah. and I I like the you know even the stuff he did on uh, the new Ozzy record. I thought yeah. some of the riffs were great.
2: Fantastic, Iomi still got it. He never lost it. Yep. Over all the years, yeah. all the different singers, everything, Tony Iomi is still the man.
1: I will be a buyer, and I'm sure uh, LC from Covers and Fire will be a streamer.
2: Yeah, I'm sure of it. I always like those Iommi albums. Ones that he's got different guest singers and players on all the songs. Good stuff.
1: A metal version of Santana.
2: Yeah, way cooler than Santana.
1: Yeah, yeah. No Rob Thomas on a Tony Iommi record.
2: <laughs> Hell no.
1: You take your Matchbox Twenty ass somewhere else. <laughs> no michelle branch is gonna gonna sing on a tony iommi record. all right
2: yeah. all right that's enough
1: <laughs> and now i realize i know way too much about these santana records all right <laughs> um uh, some news to tie in a little bit with our big announcement for rock and pod today um yeah. eric martin uh, has made it clear that mr big will be touring this year uh looks like in the summer and uh, he's not saying who the new drummer is. Obviously, Pat Torpy, uh, you know, sadly passed away. But he said that Pat Torpy would approve of the new drummer and that everybody knows him. And I'm going to go ahead and make the leap and guess. I think it's got to be Mike Portnoy that's going to be the new drummer. You think so? I think so.
2: I think it's going to be Alex Van Halen.
1: No. Yeah,
2: I think so. That's my guess. Everybody mark down. Would- we made our bets today.
1: That would be a serious news story if that happened.
2: That's, that's my uh, prediction. I think it'd be awesome. I'm just, I think Pat Torpy would approve it. Alex Van Halen.
1: Well, yeah. And, um, and
2: everybody knows him.
1: Well, yeah. But I think Portnoy's already touring with winery dogs. He knows Billy. It just makes sense that he'll be the guy.
2: I don't think so. Alex Van uh, Halen needs something to do.
1: That would, be a, that would be a huge news story if it happened.
2: That would be amazing. I would love that.
1: If you get this right, I'm going to ask you for lottery numbers. <laughs> hey, you also predicted the Packers would win out, and you're one game away from being right yes. on that.
2: Yes, yes. Of course, you
1: always predict the Packers will go undefeated every year anyway. Well,
2: but, yeah. I mean, I never doubted them for a minute. That was an amazing game last night. I'm still a little high from watching that.
1: Did you text Baco?
2: Nah, I don't mess with Baco.
1: <laughs> we'll hear his uh, thoughts on Slobberknockers along with Gene.
2: Oh, yeah. This would be the week for me to finally make an appearance on there. You should. Yeah, I should. I've talked to him about it.
1: It'll just, just be your the sample of your laugh over and yeah. over. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like that. I
2: was laughing and cheering so hard in that game. It was amazing. I love it.
1: But, yeah, so as I mentioned, you know, uh, Mr. Big going on a tour this summer. But, yeah, before that, uh, if you want to meet Eric Martin, come to Rock and Pod. We announced him today. He's going to be doing a song or two at the pre-party rare hair show. Uh, he's going to be at the Expo all day on Saturday doing interviews, going to do an onstage interview, do autographs, meet and greets. And then we're working on some cool stuff for Sunday. I can't announce just yet, but we're working on it.
2: Well, and then I want to just reiterate with everybody when we're talking about Eric Martin being at the Rare Hair Sessions for Rockin' Pod, this is your opportunity to see him do something way outside the box. I doubt he's going to go up there and do a Mr. Big tune. He's going to go up there and do something super cool. He might do Mr. Big, but then they always do something cool and different and unique, something you wouldn't expect to see them perform live, so... That's part of the magical thing about Rock and Pod. That's one of the small pieces that makes the whole thing so awesome. If you don't know about Rock and Pod, go to rocknpod.com, R O C K N P O D.com and just check out the guest list. It's going to be amazing. You're going to get to see your favorite podcasters in action, your favorite rock stars in action. We're all going to be in action. It's going to be amazing. March 17th through the 19th right here in Nashville, Tennessee. We want you to come rock and roll party with us. Check it out.
0: Yeah.
1: uh, There will be, which I didn't talk to you off air, but there will be an audio commercial soon with uh, the one and only Aaron Camaro doing the voice again.
2: I always like doing those. All right. You up for a little rock star birthdays, rock star death days. Yep. All right. Let's see. Let's start with the birthdays. Again, this is a, a work in progress. Oh yeah, I got to jump all the way back because we missed a couple in December, right at the end. Yeah, this one's gonna go back a little bit. The last one we did, I think we did up to Christmas. We ended with Lars Ulrich on the 26th, sharing a birthday on the 26th. James Kotak. I don't know what year he was born. I gotta update this shit. <laughs> Happy birthday, James Kotak. <laughs> Uh, celebrated a birthday on the 27th. Our awesome friend, Richie Rivera, playing them drums with Vixen and <laughs> doing all kinds of other cool stuff. We like, awesome. yeah, he was on the show before he was the one when we did the brushes with greatness that told us that amazing story about Rick James.
1: Yep. If, uh, if I'm not home by 11 o'clock AM, I'm at Rick James house.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's Awesome. All right, celebrated a birthday on the 28th, born in 1955, the year of rock and roll. This guy is a good friend of both of ours. He's been to Rockin' Pods in the past. He's going to be at this Rockin' Pod. He's going to be a part of the awesome show, the Keel Fest too. afterwards, celebrating a birthday on the 28th, our awesome friend, Rick Fox.
1: Happy birthday, buddy.
2: Heck yeah. Looking forward to seeing him in March, and you can see him too. Get on rockin'pod.com, get your tickets. Let's see, on the 31st, Tom Hamilton from Aerosmith celebrated a birthday, also on the 31st. This is a good trivia question. Tom Hamilton, Scott Ian, and Anthony Esposito all share birthdays on the 31st of December.
1: Wow, New Year's Eve babies.
2: Yeah, that doesn't surprise me with Esposito. That dude seems (laughs) like a pretty cool guy. He was an awesome dude when he was on the show.
1: Yeah, I loved him.
2: All right, so let's get into the now, talking about the new year, 2023, starting all over at the top of the spreadsheet. We'll go up to the fifth. Yeah, so celebrating birthday on the second, our good friend, longtime listener to the show, awesome supporter, Mike Parnell. You probably hear his name all the time on the Geeks of the Week. Yes, sir. Celebrating birthday on the second. On the fourth, here's another one, Joe Royland. Sit and spin with Joe. Celebrate Love that birthday. guy. Yeah, cool dude. Like to see him back at Rocket Pod again. Yeah, me too. Uh, he celebrated birthday on the 4th. On the 5th, you probably know him from LA Guns and a bunch of other cool stuff. Kelly Nichols, born in 1962. And let's see, we'll do two more. This is the guy, you know, when you got a voice like mine, you got to find somebody to look up to. I found mine in Matt Porter. Celebrating a birthday on the 5th.
1: The Matt Porter.
2: The Matt Porter.
1: We'll see you in March, brother.
2: Heck yeah, man. Can't wait. And wrapping up birthdays for this time around, celebrating a birthday on the 8th. Former guest of the show. Had an awesome conversation with him about Dimebag Daryl way back, fellow Nashvilleian here with us. Photographer to the stars, Mr. Chad Lee, celebrating a birthday on the 8th
1: got to catch up with him. It's been too long. Yeah,
2: I haven't seen him in forever. It has been way too long. Let's look at the people we need to remember this time of year. Oh, yeah, I got to go back to December on this one, too, see if there was anybody. I think we were doing pretty good at the end of last year. Oh, no. I know there was some. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's start off with the big one right here. On the 28th, lost him back in 2015. Man, it doesn't seem like that long ago. But then again, on the other hand, it seems like forever. Lemmy, man. I mean, what do you say? One of the most heartbreaking losses in my lifetime when it comes to, you know, legendary people that pass away and you wish they could live forever.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, the. Um, if you go on YouTube, and it, this was on like Amazon and the pay services before, but it's for free on YouTube now. There's a great documentary on the rainbow on YouTube right now. Yeah. And um, it was it was filmed before he passed. Well, it may have been right as after it was filmed during the time and right after passed. And um, there's some some great footage of him hanging out there um, in the documentary. And of course, Lenny Lemmy is a big centerpiece of, of the the story. But uh, yeah, if you haven't, if you ever, if you ever been to the Rainbow or wanted to go to the Rainbow, watch that documentary. It's really great.
2: That's awesome. I'd like to check that out. I've been to the Rainbow. I'd love to go back again if it wasn't in California, but, I mean, such an iconic place, such a legendary place. What I want to do is get in a time machine and go back yes. there in the 80s and just hang out in the parking lot.
1: You're a debauchery.
2: Yeah. Oh, man, that would have been so awesome. I'm too old for that shit now. <laughs>
1: <Like, does laughs> it's would kill time, you now. Does the time
2: machine make <laughs> me younger, too? Let's do it. Let's <laughs> yeah. go. All right, here's one. From, uh, let's see, passed away in 1997 on the 2nd. Randy California from the band Spirit. I mean, I like Spirit. I like that band a lot. As far as like old 70s, 80s, or 70s, late 60s, early 70s rock bands, I like Spirit. They had some really cool stuff. I think he drowned was how he died.
1: He did. I think he was trying to save somebody and he drowned. Crazy.
2: Man, rock and roll Mm -hmm. hero right there. Listen to some spirit this week. I'm telling you, it's pretty cool. Uh, here's a big one, too, man. This one, it was quite a long time ago, back in 1986. But, man, we still feel it today, especially here on the Decibel Geek Podcast, where this band has been such a big part of it over the years as far as you know, finding any way to fit them in that Chris can. And it's always to the uh, enjoyment of all. We lost Phil Lynette, the anniversary on the yeah. 4th.
1: Yeah, way too fucking young.
2: Yeah, that sucks.
1: Fuck heroin, man.
2: What that guy could have done, what the world would have been like. I mean, Phil Linet would conceivably still be alive today.
1: He would be literally rock royalty today if he had lived. Yeah,
2: yeah because, I mean, now that's another one of those bands, kind of like the Ramones. While they were alive, I mean, people knew of them. They had some hit songs, but they weren't massive. But if you look at him now today, the legacy left behind, Thin Lizzy's huge. Like So many people know of them. He would be rock royalty.
1: Yeah, they're bigger now than they ever were then.
2: Yeah, definitely. Here's another tough one. This one not that long ago, back in 2020, the anniversary on the 7th, is when we lost probably the greatest drummer of all time, Neil Peart.
1: That was a sad fucking day.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was the end of Rush drummers everywhere crying, I got to imagine, because that guy was so good. Like, even if you're not a Rush fan, you got to acknowledge the power of Neil Peart.
1: It was weird that day, and I even, I think I posted about it on Facebook that day because I'm I'm not the world's biggest Rush fan. I mean, I what I like, I love, obviously, but for some reason, I think it's just because I knew the impact he had on people, especially drummers. I fucking cried that day when when he passed. Uh, I really got emotional over it. And I was kind of like, why am I so emotional over this one? I wasn't even a diehard Rush fan. But I just think because I realized how much he meant to other people. Yeah,
2: Yeah, and you'd seen him live.
1: Yeah, I saw him on the Clockwork Angels tour. It was great.
2: You're lucky you didn't hear what you said.
1: Totally a joke. (laughs) I still love telling that story. There's no Peter Chris, but he's pretty good.
2: Yeah. You're lucky you didn't get lynched. We'll do one more. This is this was always an important one to me. I think it's sad when like a member of the band dies and the band completely changes after that. And you realize how important this one person was to making this band great and how without them they ain't got it no more. They lost something big and were never able to recapture it. Talking about the band Def Leppard back in 1991. Man, Steve Clark, one of the most underrated guitarists of all time. The anniversary yeah. of that would be the eighth.
1: Yeah, I mean, the a very important cog in that wheel, you know, and um, wrote some of their best stuff. And, you know, it's kind of hard to believe when you think about that. It's like, you know, because Phil Collin wasn't an original member. It was Pete Willis. Right. And then, so by 1991, both their guitar players originally were gone. You know, that's, uh, that, that's kind of hard to believe.
2: Yeah, and like I said, I think, well, I don't think, I know that Steve Clark took my Def Leppard fandom to the grave with him. Because, I mean, after that, I, there wasn't ever anything I liked by Def Leppard, really. I mean, there'd be little things here and there, and Vivian Campbell's mm-hmm. a hell of a guitar player. But sure. they lost something that they were, it's like Steve Clark was the balls of Def Leppard. And when he died, they became neutered.
1: But I, I mean, I always got the vibe that, that they would give him some leeway on having creative control over songwriting, which they I don't think Vivian's ever gotten because I've listened to stuff Vivian's done outside of Def Leppard, obviously. It doesn't sound like anything that's come out during his tenure in Def Leppard. I think Phil Collin writes, like, all the guitar parts in Def Leppard. Man. Way to go, Phil. Well, I mean, and they're missing out. Because, I mean, could you imagine if they really were like, okay, let's stop worrying about commercial success. Let's just rock rock record. And gave Vivian some latitude on writing music. They could have put out some really cool shit. You never know.
2: For this next record, they should go to the two guitar players and say, look. For the next record, I want you guys to ask yourselves, what would Steve Clark do? We're going to prove to everybody that we can be the killer rock band that we were at one time when Steve Clark was alive. So we're writing this new album. What would Steve Clark do here? And I would be very interested in hearing that.
1: Yeah. Well, and if you do want to hear Vivian with some creative control, um, one story I I left off here, but we'll just talk about it. Um, last in line, we'll have a full length album coming out this year. So uh, Vivian will be heavily involved with that. I'm sure.
2: Right on and ripping it up. Yep. Maybe his leash is pretty short in Def Leppard.
1: No, oh, it has to be,
2: but yeah, that sucks, man. Def Leppard will never be the same rest in peace. Def Leppard 1991 to me and Steve Clark. That was the one that really hurt because I was young at the time and I liked Def Leppard back then. I thought they were killer. And I thought Steve Clark was the man. Mm -hmm. That's a guy because his life got cut short. I don't think he gets, I don't know when people talk about the greatest guitar players around. Steve Clark doesn't usually come up in the conversation, even though he really should.
1: Well, I mean, well, when you talk about greatest guitar players, it's typically for lead players. And I think Steve was more of a riff writer. I mean, he was a decent lead player, but I mean, he was, he was great at writing riffs though for, for, for songs,
2: yeah. Rest in peace, to all those that we've lost. Remember your legends this week. Go back, listen to some of that old Def Leppard, some good old Rush, some classic Thin Lizzy. Pull out some of that spirit. I'm telling you, it's pretty good. And of course, Motorhead. Crank it up and remember Lemmy. Oh. Rock and roll.
1: I listened to March or Die yesterday, just because of our Friday Night Live. Yeah. And I was like, man, forgot how good this record is. It's a great record.
2: They never put out a bad one.
1: No. They're always enjoyable to listen to.
2: There's no Motorhead album that sucks. Oh, that's the one that sucks. There's no such.
1: Well, Orgasmatron. Hmm.
2: I don't know. I like that one, too. Most of it.
1: <laughs> I don't know about that one. Um, It's a little weird. Uh, all right. Are we ready to move on to the next story? Yeah. And uh, from the files of Just Because You Should, Just Because You Can Doesn't Mean You Should. Uh, David Lee Roth has shared a newly recorded version of Everybody Wants Some by Van Halen. And uh, Aaron, have you listened to this yet?
2: No, because the last time that David Lee Roth did this, it was like released him doing Van Halen songs with some other band, but it was like recorded in an hour or something. It was like one take. That's it. That's all you get. One take. So it was basically like David Lee Roth live without an audience, which... You know, I've seen footage of David Lee Roth lately. Well, in the last year, live, it's not great.
1: Yeah, he's already done Panama and talking about love, dance the night away, you really got me, and recently everybody wants some. And uh oh, uh, Dave, don't bother. It's a you'll never top classics like Van Halen. And there's no Eddie here. There's no Alex here and your voice even though it never was great ain't ain't nearly what it used to be it's uh it's pretty hard to listen to
2: i enjoy like the new stuff that he's putting out like that over the rainbow bar and grill song
1: mm-hmm.
2: i think that stuff's fun and i think that's cool and that, i love that that suits his style you know it's not him trying to kill himself to sing one of the old songs you know and i don't know you know call david lee roth not a great singer but i think he is a great singer as far as fun to listen to and yeah he doesn't suck that's for sure is he a ronnie james deal or a rob helfer well no of course not no but,
1: but i mean he's i mean he's way, got charisma he's yeah. and character to his voice yes. but he, you you can't replicate what you did when you were 23 it's a yeah. it's a bad idea and um unless, yeah like the somewhere over the rainbow james. bar and grill stuff like that i'm happy happy to listen to that stuff i think it's cool because it's him in current days but Don't go back and try to recreate something from fucking 1983, dude. That's just—it's just a bad idea because you're you're setting yourself up to piss people off. And without Eddie and Alex, what do you? What's the point of this? I don't get it.
2: There's no point, really, because the band's not Van Halen and David Lee Roth. I'm sorry, man. I love you. You're just not what you used to be as a vocalist. But if you got some cool stuff that suits your voice today, that you want to record some new songs. I'm all about that, man. i might oh, sure. even buy a new David Lee Roth album if it came out. If it was him oh, I would. writing songs that rock and are suitable to his voice today, something he can comfortably do, I'd be okay with it.
1: But I mean, even with, um, even with Sammy, if Sammy decided to do Best of Both Worlds or When It's Love, like re-record that, like even him, you know, because Sammy's voice, honestly, to be honest, has held up better than Dave's has. It still wouldn't make any sense. It just, it, it's like you you can't recapture the spontaneity of when you originally recorded this stuff. Right.
2: I mean, that'd be like Paul Stanley going in the studio and you know recording stuff onto tape. And
1: oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> you can do it, like, like you said. You probably shouldn't.
1: Just because you can does not mean you should. Yeah. I thought this was an interesting little uh, story here. Brian Johnson went on Eddie Trunk's show recently. And uh, it got a little testy during the interview. Um, Eddie was just doing his job, and you know, as podcasters, we we get this. You you know, if if you had the chance to talk to Brian Johnson, of course, what's the main question you would want to ask? What's next for ACDC? You that you you'd want to know. Are you guys going to tour? Are you going to do a record? You'd want to know the answer to that.
2: And it's almost a courtesy too to ask the artist that because you assume that they want to tell you what they got going on.
0: Unless they so
1: Eddie asked him on. if if he and ACDC are going to ever play live again, and he said, I'm not answering that. Why should I? First of all, there's five members in this band, and to ask one member isn't fair. And when asked by Eddie if he personally would like to play with ACDC again, he says, Eddie, I cannot answer that. I've been told not to by everybody. It's the official line. And then uh, Eddie pressed and said, well, is there going to be another ACDC album? Because Power Up was awesome. And he said, "It's getting tabloidy in here. You're getting tabloidy." And he said, "If it, if I say one thing, it'll be blown out of proportion. You just can't afford to talk now. There's too much blabber on the internet, and I'm not any on any kind of face thing or social media at all. I never have been. It's just gossip." So he kind of like wow. gave Eddie the cold shoulder. And but to me, I'm reading between the lines on this. The fact that he was like, "I can't talk about this," and this is tabloidy. Tells me that there is absolutely something in the works because otherwise he'd say, ah, there's nothing going on.
2: Unless, like you were like you said, like the other guy said, Hey, gonna do this. We want to be cool like Metallica and not let anybody see it coming. And one day just blam, there it is, you know? Keep it under wraps. Cool, but then you don't go, hey, I was told not to tell you this, you know, but there's nothing I can tell you. does well, that a yes or is that a no? I can't, I can't tell you. Sounds like a yes. Knock it off, Eddie Trunk. It's getting tabloidy in here. What the hell? But I mean, it's a little strange. Kind of see his point though when it comes to like the Wolf Hoffman interview where he finds it funny in the headlines. I mean, if that's what he's talking about, it's too blabbery or whatever.
1: Well, it's all about clicks, you know. I mean, that's that's what it's about. But I mean, it is a little odd for Brian Johnson because he's typically an open book when it comes to this type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, usually if there's something going on, he'll say it. But I mean, if the, if the, if the band is telling him don't let on about anything, then that typically means there's something to let on about. So um, my guess would be in the next two months, you're going to hear about an ACDC tour getting announced.
2: Yeah. Either that or it's, it's done. It's over. That was power up was the last thing.
1: But why wouldn't you just say so?
2: Well, because you gotta make. I mean, it's ACDC. You can't just. What are you gonna do? Send a note to Blabbermouth and be like, "Hey, just want to let you guys know we're uh, hanging it up. If you care to cover that information, we'd be. You know, it's cool. No, it's ACDC. <laughs> they gotta. They gotta plan these things. You can't just like whatever. You know, they they gotta get somewhere and make some kind of major announcement to say, "Hey,
1: no, that's what I'm. I'm agreeing no, with you. Yeah. But I'm saying if it was over though, they would. They would just say, "Ah, it's not happening. Or there's nothing to report right now.
2: Yeah, it is kind of weird, kind of a strange reaction think, to a simple question.
1: I'll put I'll, I'll put five dollars on it. In, in two months, you're going to hear about an ACDC tour. I'll just say that now.
2: I mean, that wouldn't surprise me in the least.
1: I think they'll do one more tour. They won't do another record. I think Power Up's about it, but uh, the, I think they'll do another tour.
2: Power Up was awesome.
1: Yeah, I still listen to it. Yeah, me too. Um okay last story for today um previous guest of the show mick sweda from bullet boys and king cobra says i am never going to do anything with bullet boys ever again
2: well somebody learned their lesson for the bazillionth time huh
1: so you know after we you know when we interviewed mick he was having this type of thought process and then um they reunited with him and jimmy and Lonnie and Mark, and they got back together and they did several dates and then everything went to shit again, probably mostly because of Mark Torian. Um, And then uh, I guess he did an interview with Marco Serjala of Metal Rules. And he says, well, anytime we get together and we've tried to do the reunion things over the years, we know there's a shelf life. We know that there's going to be a moment when everyone, everything either implodes or explodes one or the other. And unfortunately, it happened sooner than we had all hoped. There, was, there were some pretty interesting personalities in the band, very strong for better or worse. So, yeah, it was really unfortunate that it came to pass. I was really looking forward to going out and doing a lot of dates that summer, and we had a lot of things lined up. But it's such that some people don't want to deal with that sort of negativity. And he said, there's some very deep foundational cracks. I'm never going to do anything with Bullet Boys again. It's just been so, I don't, I don't know what the right word is. I suppose it's just tainted by from people that have been in it. It doesn't even make sense for me to even think about it. And it's unfortunate because there was some good money coming with bullet boys. If we had stayed together. So, um, yeah, I mean, Mick is, Mick is done yet again with Mark Torian, basically.
2: Hmm. That's too bad. that has got to suck because you know that the bullet boys is something you helped create, you know, those songs were songs that you helped write and to not be able to be, you, you're going to want to be a part of it. You know, it's like, that's part mine too. I would like to reap the rewards of all this stuff, you know, and then, but then you go there and go, Oh, I can't fucking do it. I can't stand this shit. You know, I got to leave. And it's got to leave you kind of heartbroken to wish that you could, you know,
1: and it ended in a such a bullet boys fashion too. I don't know if you remember when, when all the news was going out. Cause like they were, they were going to wrap up their tour at the whiskey and like there was already trouble in paradise on the dates, getting back to the West coast And like I had seen Mick posting really cryptic stuff on his Facebook page. And then the day of the show came and him and it was him and Jimmy DeAnda both made like really cryptic posts on Facebook about like, we don't know if this is going to happen. Or and then like two hours later, it was like, if you go see Bullet Boys at the Whiskey tonight, we're not going to be there. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what? And then Mark replaced both of them for that show. And it was the last show of the tour. it's like, you couldn't pull through for one more show. It's like, how, I mean, how difficult is Mark to work with? Jesus.
2: I want to go to Netflix and pitch a TV show where we force Vinnie Vincent and Mark Torian to be in the same band.
1: Oh, Jesus Christ. And
2: we film the whole experience of them making the album in the studio. And then we follow them out on tour and film the experiences there.
1: You wouldn't get through one song.
2: We got to find a crazy-ass drummer a crazy bass player to complete this ensemble.
1: But Yeah, it's like, and then Mick, like, Mick and Jimmy both made, like, really pointed fucking comments and posts on Facebook about it that whole day and, like, two days afterwards. It was really ugly. And I was just like, this is the most Bullet Boys thing ever for yeah, it to end this way. Yeah, ain't that right.
2: And you know it's got to be pretty damn bad. Because, like I said, those guys, they want to be a part of it. They want to be a sure. part of Bullet Boys. They they deserve to be a part of it. But that means you're going to put up with a lot of bullshit to be there. And if it gets to the breaking point of that where it's like, I want to be a part of this so bad, but I can't fucking do this. It's got to be just awful.
1: Mark, this must be a nightmare because I there's been... He's always... He's, he's very... It's funny. It's apropos you bring up Vinny Vincent because... Mark comes off very similar to Vinny Vincent to where it's like, if you're just a fan, Mark is super great to you. Like very nice guy loves your support. But if you work with him a whole different story and Vinny's the same way.
2: I suppose some other guys are just going, man, I hope, uh, I hope Mark drives them out of the band pretty soon because I'd like to get back out on tour with my band again. Cause it's been many years I think that I'm- Mark just toured as bullet boys with other dudes.
1: I think it all started when Mark was paying tribute to Michael Jackson on stage instead of <laughs> Dimebag Daryl. Just saying.
2: It was Les Paul.
1: Or <laughs> Les yeah, Paul, yeah.
2: Right. Oh, man. I
1: love that story.
2: <laughs> well, maybe Mick Sweeta can do something cool. I know they had that other side band, didn't they, for a while there? What was that called?
1: Well, it was Lies, Deceit, and Treachery.
2: That's it. That's it. I remember he's hearing got, some songs by them that were, I thought were really good.
1: Yeah. He's got a project now called The Hot Summers, but I, I'll be honest, I haven't listened to the music yet.
2: Check that out, The Hot Summers. I mean, if it's got Mick of playing guitar on it, it's got to rock, right? It's a right. That's too bad. Do you really think there's a difference in price when Bullet Boys takes a booking at a club somewhere? Like, now listen, is it all the original guys? Mark Torian's like, well, yeah, yeah, of course, sure it is. Do you know the difference? No. Yeah, it's the original guys.
1: I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, if you're paying for Mark, Lonnie, and Jimmy, yeah,
2: you're going to definitely be
1: paying more.
2: I guess if you're, you are a promoter, you know, that's your job to know the difference. You know, is this legit? Is it the real thing?
1: It's I not- tried booking Bullet Boys for Rockin' Pod a couple of years ago, but that's a, that's a behind-the-scenes story I will not share here, but, uh, yeah, that, that's a saga.
2: Well, there you go. There's a reason <laughs> to become a Decibel Geek VIP over at Patreon. I'll get Chris to tell us this story because I don't think I've ever even heard this story.
1: I don't think I've told you about it, but, yeah, there was some ridiculous shit behind the scenes that uh, got brought up as far as what would be what it would take to book them. Yeah. Dumb stuff.
2: Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> well, we are the Decibel Geek Podcast. We are brought to you by Pantheon Podcast. If you are if you love this, what we do, and it's just fun for us, and we talk about music, if you enjoy listening to people talk about music that they love, the first place you got to go to find them is Pantheon. When you go to Pantheon, it's basically they've curated the music podcast for you. It's all the best, all in one place, so you don't got to, you know, you, there's a, Thousands and thousands of podcasts out there, and a good percentage of them aren't very good. But you get the best ones, they're on Pantheon. It's simple. Save yourself a lot of time and headache and heartache and earaches. Just go to Pantheon to find your next music podcast favorite. As for us, well, for us, it's time to wrap up 2022 by jumping into 2023 as we look back one last time find out the top 10 albums of the last year before we're able to move on i'm excited for the year to come look back one last time that'll be your next episode of will
1: as of this recording i've still got about 30 records to review so yeah i gotta get on it
2: <laughs> should be a good one we're planning on recording that one together in the same room it's been a minute
1: we are i can't wait to hang out with you again brother
2: yeah it's gonna be So there you go, guys. That's your GeekWire, the latest and greatest news in the world of rock and roll. We're bringing it to you every single week right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast.
0: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football